If you got your Bible this morning, go ahead and open to Psalm chapter 92. We're going to be in Psalm 92 this morning. We are kicking off this this new series today. Um, that, that we haven't had a chance to, to really unpack uh, as we get to start doing it today. We're going to answer this question, why church? Why church? Why do we do this? Why do we gather? Why is this important? The, the little subtitle on the series is Discovering God Together. Um, I love when I get to discover God one-on-one, when, when God shows me something and teaches me something in my own personal time with him, and I hope all of us are setting that aside and doing that. But I also believe God has designed for us to discover him together. There's something that happens when we gather. There's a reason why Jesus prescribed for us to have church. So we're going to take four weeks and answer this question, why church, leading up to Easter as we get ready to to celebrate the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to go ahead and give you the four messages up front. If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you my four message titles. I'm going to give you where this series is going so you can kind of see what we're going to be discussing over the next few weeks. So, So today we're going to talk about how church is where I plant. Why church? Well, why church? Church is where I plant. Why do we need churches? Because that's where I plant. Next, we're going to talk about churches where I commune and, and, and where, where we have community, where we build community. Week three, we're going to talk about how church is where I serve, where I actually have the chance to use my gifts to bless somebody else and make somebody else's life better. And, and week four, and this one's going to be kind of funny, if you grew up in churches like I did, it might have a different meaning than what I mean for this, but we're going to talk about how church is where I fight. Um, and and let, let, let me clarify, I'll go ahead and tell you ahead of time, we're not talking about fighting each other. That's not the goal. That's not the vision. You, some of you are like, I've been to that church. Um, ho- hopefully you don't feel like this is that church. Um, we're, we're going to talk about how church is where we fight, how we, church is where we fight to build God's kingdom, where church is where we fight for one another, and how church is where we fight for the lost. Um, we're we're going to talk about how church is where we fight. And so we're going to do this over the next few weeks. I think you're going to enjoy it. I think you're going to be encouraged by it. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Psalm 92, where we're going to start today, says this in verse 12. It says, the righteous, everybody say the righteous. Now, here's, here's the temptation. As soon as I see those two words, I'm like, oop, that's not me, right? Because I know my unrighteousness. I know my sin. I know my junk. But, but we have to understand, we have to view this through the lens of, of the New Testament that the Bible says that I, as a Christian, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Not because of my goodness, not because of my righteousness, but because of his righteousness. So if you're a believer today, if you've yielded to the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, when you see those little two words, the righteous, you may have 10 million reasons why you say that's not you, but God's word says it is. And so the righteous, hopefully that's you. Hopefully you're a believer today. Hopefully you've given your life to him. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Everybody say flourish. That's a word we need to use more often. That's a good word. That's a powerful word. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Lebanon, which is just north of Israel on the western side, is legendary, and especially in Bible times, is legendary for its giant cedar trees. In fact, they actually used cedars. They imported cedars from Lebanon when they built the temple where God was going to be worshipped. There, there, was, there was something about the cedars of Lebanon that stood out amongst all the region. And so God's word says that the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like the cedars of Lebanon. They will grow high. They will grow tall. They will grow strong. 
Verse 13 says, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. There's that word again. In the courts of our God. And I love this. Some of us are going to be more encouraged by this verse than others. Uh, I saw a band last night, New Song. That The first time I saw a New Song play was 1996. Uh, and so I saw them take the stage, and I'm like, man, these guys are old. And then I was like, oh, crap, that means I'm old, too, um, when you've seen a band for 22 years. Uh, so, so this may encourage you. It encouraged me. They will steer bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Isn't that awesome? What a vision, man, that I'm not going to be, be, be wilting and withering and dying in old age, but that God has a plan for me that I'm still going to bear fruit, that he's still going to use me, that as long as there's breath in my lungs, he's got a purpose for me being here, and he wants me to make something happen for his glory. Amen? Would you pray with me one more time? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, for this three short verses that you inspired the psalmist to pen, Father God, to share with us. I ask that you help us, God, to apply these to our lives. Lord, Lord, I ask that you would help us to plant, that you would help us to flourish, God, that you would help us to, to accomplish everything in your house that you've designed for us to accomplish. And we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. As we kick off this series, we have to acknowledge that there's a, a little bit of a tension when we talk about church to the church of Jesus Christ while gathered in a church. It's a little bit like teaching about tithing. It's not quite as terrifying as teaching about tithing. But when you talk about tithing, there's always kind of this pushback because there's this underlying question of motivation. Why are you talking about money? Right? Why, why are you trying to get in my wallet? Why are you trying to get at my finances? And, and so there's a, a lot of times we have to be, make sure that we address those questions and those fears because we're going to teach the word of God. We're going to teach what the Bible says, but we want to make sure that, that we don't bulldoze over people in the process because they may have been abused, they may have been hurt, they may have seen something mishandled. And so when we teach on church, it's the same way. Um, I was born into a church where my parents were involved, where my parents were serving, that had a lot of really good things, had some great teaching, had some incredible community, uh, but had a very unhealthy leadership structure. Where, where the pastor was very abusive, and I don't mean like he was beating people, but, but he was yielding his authority in an unhealthy manner. Where, where man, what he said went, and you're going to do this, and I'm going to say how it's done, and, and people were like coming over and cleaning his house because that's what he said needed to be done, and it was, it was, it was out of balance and out of whack. And, and my parents were there for years, and I finally felt like, hey, they, they needed to move on from this. They needed to get their kids into something that was healthy, something that wasn't abusive, they wanted them to, us to grow up in a different situation. And so I was born into an unhealthy church situation. I've seen and experienced since then some unhealthy church situations. So, so as we get ready to talk about church, can, can, I, can I say this? Because here, here's some of the questions that are going to pop up. Well, he's talking about church because he wants me to come to church more. Yes, I do want you to come to church more. Okay, full disclosure. Yes. That's not why I'm talking about church, but I want you to come to church more. Absolutely. Why? Because I believe when we gather we strengthen each other. I believe when we gather, we get better. I believe when we gather, we become more like Jesus. So I want you to gather more so you can become more like Jesus more quickly. Then, then, then the question might be, well, well he's preaching about church because he wants me to do more for the church. He wants me to be more involved in the church. And full disclosure, yes, I want you to do more for the church. Yes, I want you to be more involved in church. 
but I'm not teaching about church because I, I want to manipulate you or I want to push you into to doing something that's going to harm you. I truly believe that as you plant in the house of God, that you'll flourish. That as you connect, that you'll grow. That there's benefits for you in that. And so I'm teaching on it because I, I truly believe that it's going to help you. And, and then there's this idea, well, well, he's teaching on church because he, he wants... Man, if he's the pastor and the church is more important, then the pastor is more important. And, and he wants people to see him as valuable. He wants people to put him on this pedestal and honor him. And, and I can honestly say, with all integrity, that is not my motivation in this series. And trust me, before I speak on giving, I always check my heart. I always pray through, Lord, where, where is my motivation in this? Before I speak on church, I always check my heart. And, and go before God and, and have this heart check because I've seen it done with bad motivations. And I know I'm human. I'm very human. If you've been around here, you know I'm human, right? Like, I, I am capable of screwing this up. I am capable of blowing this. I am capable of doing it for the wrong reasons. So, so let me just tell you, and you can trust me or not trust me. That's your decision. But I'm going to tell you at the very beginning, I've prayed this through. And my motivation is not that you would see me as somehow more important. I'm just a dude. I'm just a guy trying to point to the guy who matters, trying to point to the one who's important. Um, but, but I'm going to talk on church for the next four weeks because the Bible talks a lot about church, because Jesus talked a lot about church, because there's power in church. There's power as we come together. There's power as we join our gifts and join our resources and join our voices and come together under the banner of Jesus Christ. So we're, we're going to talk about church a little bit. I saw this quote from a pastor this week, and I, I thought it was awesome, and I thought maybe this would preface this series well. Pastor Gary L. Heron, he said this. He said, if you miss me, you miss little. He said, if you miss our church, you miss much. But if you miss our Christ, you miss everything. I feel the same way. If you miss me, you didn't miss a whole lot. If you miss City Church, you're missing something, man. God's doing something here. But if you miss Jesus, you missed it all. You missed the point. See, our job as a church is to point to Jesus. It's to point to the bigger kingdom. It's to connect to the bigger kingdom. Last Sunday night, we had a unity service with two other churches, and we gathered together, and we had three worship bands gathered together, and we worshiped, and we lifted our voices like we were in heaven, like it had nothing to do with the name on a door. It was awesome. See, that's what church is about. It's about building the kingdom. It's about connecting people. It's about glorifying Jesus. So we're going to talk about church. We're going to talk about church because I believe one thing that Bill Hybels said years ago that, that, that has stuck with me. That, that I, The first time I actually heard it, I heard Louis Giglio quote it back in 2001. But, it, but it, it stuck with me. He said that the local church is the hope of the world. That this is the thing that Jesus said, okay, I'm the hope of the world. Everybody's got to see me. I'm where salvation is, but I'm going to entrust that message. I'm going to entrust that truth. I'm going to entrust that getting to the masses, to the local church. Why are we going to talk about church? Because church is the hope of the world. Not because church is special, but because church is about the one who is special. It points us to the one who is special. So, so, so enough preface. Let's talk a little bit. I found a statistic this week 
that, that the average church attender in Protestant churches in the United States, so, so the median, uh, if you put all, like listed all the church attenders in the United States on a list and how long they've been attending that church, the median church attendance in the U.S. right now is 6.6 years. 6.6 years. Half, in other words, half of Christians have been in a church longer than 6.6 years. Half have been in a church less than 6.6 years. And I can look around this room and I can see some people who are very above average. You guys are awesome. You've been connected and planted for a long time. And I can look across this room and see a whole lot of us that aren't at that average point yet. Like we, we got a, probably a lot more people that are newer than, to, to this church than we do that are, that are older in this church. And that's not to put anybody down. That's just the reality of where we're at. Um, but with that reality comes an awareness that, that if I teach on church, I'm not just talk, teaching about city church. I'm teaching about something bigger than city church because the reality is most of us aren't going to die at city church. Most of us will be a part of another church at some point in time, whether because God moves us physically or, or, or God moves us spiritually, uh, or let's just be real, we get mad and we leave and we're offended and God didn't move us, but we moved ourselves, right? Like, like most of us probably won't die as part of this church. I, I remember I was part of a church one time where the pastor had this like lifelong vision. He was looking for people who wanted to be at the church until they died. Like we're going to do this thing for 60 years together. We're going to do this thing for 80 years together. He had this awesome vision and he left after three years. Uh, right? Uh, and, and so like there's a contradiction there. Uh, so, so this is not me prefacing to leave. Like we are here. We are in. Um, but I understand the reality that, that at some point in time, you'll probably have another church. So I'm not just teaching you for city church. I'm teaching you for the kingdom and how church is important. So uh, why church? Psalm 92, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. The word that pops out in that passage is flourish, right? It's the one that pops up twice. It's the one that's unique that we don't use very often in everyday conversation. So I went to dictionary.com. What does flourish mean? Flourish in the planting context, in this context, means to grow luxuriantly. There's another word we could use more often. Luxuriantly. Or to thrive in growth as a plant. Who among us would say no, I think I'll pass. As a Christian, I'm not really interested in growing luxuriantly. I'm not really interested in thriving. I'm just going to be okay just kind of doing my thing and being mediocre. I'm just going to kind of do my thing, and I don't have any desire to grow. I don't have any desire to be better. I don't have any desire to flourish. None of us would say that. If you can say that, I would say you're probably not really a Christian. Because if you're a Christian, the Bible teaches the Holy Spirit lives in you at salvation. God places his spirit in you, and his spirit is leading and guiding. And so when we talk about growing, when we talk about flourishing, when we talk about thriving as a believer, thriving in our walk with God, there should be something inside of you, whether you're on fire for Jesus right now, or you are cold and lukewarm right now, or anywhere in between, there should be something that says, yeah, I want that. Yeah, sign me up to flourish. Sign me up to thrive. Sign me up to grow. Maybe I don't know how to get there. Maybe I'm not walking it out in my life right now. But, man, that sounds like something I would like to be a part of. And so if there's something in you that leaps at that idea, 
I want to help unpack this together. In fact, here's what I want you to write down. Write down that God wants me to flourish. God wants me to flourish. In fact, look at the person next to you and say, God wants you to flourish. He wants you to flourish. Some of us are flourishing right now. Man, I can, I can go around this room and point out people who, man, they're growing so fast and serving so much and, and just seeing God do incredible things in their life. And I love, it's the best part of my job. It's, I get to see people flourish. I get to see people tap into that and grow luxuriantly and thrive. Man, it's, it's so cool. There's some of us who maybe we're in a season where, man, there's, there's some mediocrity. There's some lukewarmness going on. There, there's, there's not as much passion or excitement or connectedness to God. And if that's you today, I'm not putting you down. I'm just here to say we're going to see that season change. Man, we're in, the, we're in the seasons changing right now, right? Like it's, it's not real easy on my body going from 20 degrees to 80 degrees and back again. And it doesn't do real, the, the, the season is changing. And maybe prophetically for some of us today, God came here to say the season is changing. Maybe you've been in a season of being dormant. Maybe you've been in a season where there's not a lot of growth and there's not a lot happening and you're not bearing some fruit. But God says in his spirit, I'm ready to see the season change for you flourish again, that you would grow again. So, so how do we do that? How do we flourish? Well, we plant. Verse 13 says, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. So, so first I had you write down, God wants me to flourish. Well, the second part of that statement is that means I must plant. Plants don't flourish if they're not planted. They don't bear fruit if they're not planted, that, that the key scripturally to, to enable us to flourish is we have to plant. Now, some of this theology gets a little confusing because this is Old Testament and the church is New Testament. So let me address just a couple of things because I think this is absolutely applicable. I think this is something that, 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 that totally connects to us, but I want to say this. We don't believe that this is the house of God, right? Like this, this sloped ceiling, uh, this, this blacked out, backstage, this awesome carpet that we were able to install, right? Like, we don't believe that this is where God lives. We believe that this is where God lives. You're God's house as a believer. I'm God's house. We, we don't believe that there's, that's why we don't call it the sanctuary. And I know people get weird about that. And if you call it the sanctuary, you're not like kicked out of membership. It's okay. Uh, that's why we don't refer to this as the sanctuary because the sanctuary is where God lives. He don't live here. He lives here. So this isn't his house structurally, but this is his house functionally. The people of God, as they gather, as they connect together, as they build roots together, we are his house. So when Psalm says that planted in the house of God, it's not that we're attached to a building. I'm so grateful for this building. I, I, I come over here every morning, and I just thank God that he gave us this. I'm, I'm still amazed that he's given us this building. We may not have this building forever. Man, God forbid this building could burn down. God forbid it could get bombed. Like, like something could happen and we may not have this building. And that doesn't mean we don't have church anymore. Because God doesn't live here. It's not about the building. The building's just a tool. And I'm grateful for the tool. It's a great tool. We're going to use the heck out of this tool to build his kingdom. But this tool is not the church. It's not the house. He lives here. But, but we got to plant in the house. we got to plant together. we got to connect together. I want to show you this. 
the beginning of Psalm 92, I used to skip over this. In the, in the book of Psalms, a lot of times you read Psalms, there will be pre-information before the first verse. Some things that tell you a little bit about the psalm. And I don't know why they decided not to make that verse one. I need to study that maybe one day, but it's not. So, so I would just skip it and go right to verse one, and, and my wife called me out on it. We were reading through Psalms together a few years ago, and she's like, why don't you read? We need to read that. That's important. That's God's word, too. So, so listen to what Psalm 92 says before verse 1. It says, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. This is a song, this is a worship song for the gathered congregation, for the followers of God as they worship together. This was something to teach them about what they were doing as they gathered. It's a song for the Sabbath day. Verse 1 says, Jimmy quoted it to us earlier, it says, it is good to praise the Lord. And make music to your name, O Most High. Isn't it good to worship together? See, if I had a five-part series, part five would have been, what, why church? Because church is where I worship. <laughs> I love talking about the gathering of worship and corporate worship and the power of God's spirit moving as we worship. But I only had a four-week series, so that doesn't make it into its own message. So you got like a 30-second blurb on worship. It's awesome that we get to worship together. But what does God's word mean when it talks about being planted in the house of the Lord. Well, I want to just unpack today two implications of that verse. Two things that this means for you and for me that, that hopefully we can apply, hopefully we can hold on to, hopefully we can take out with us. The first one is this. Planted in the house is where we flourish because there are nutrients in the house. Right, this is the picture of, of, plant, of a plant being in soil, right? And this picture, the church, the body of Christ, the house of God is the soil. And an individual, you and me, were trees in this illustration. I don't know if you've ever been a tree before. Maybe you were the kid who had no talent in the school play, so you were a tree. Well, in this instance, you're a tree, not because you have no talent, but because God's making a point. So, so we're trees, and the tree plants in soil of, of the house, the church, the house of God, and there's nutrients in the soil. In other words, there's stuff that I can get in church that I won't get anywhere else. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of people that go to church that don't know Jesus. There's plenty of people who go to church who don't flourish. There's plenty of people who go to church who don't plant. There's plenty of people who go to churches that aren't helping them flourish and aren't giving them nutrients. But there's something God designed for me to have and for you to have as a believer that you're not going to get anywhere but through connection to the body of Christ, through the church. Um, I, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine recently, and he's a youth pastor uh, further down in Mississippi, and he was talking about his youth band and things they had going on. And, and he said, man, we got this awesome youth drummer. He's like 14, 15 years old. He's so talented. He's so good. But then he said, but he's never played with a band before. He said, we're, we're in this process of trying to teach him how to play with other people because he's just self-taught, and he's got this incredible ability and this incredible talent, and he can do the greatest drum solo you ever heard, but he didn't know how to play with other people. And I wonder sometimes how many Christians we have out there who don't know how to play nice with other people. I wonder how, how many believers we have in Jesus who haven't discovered that, you know what, it's bigger than just me. It's not just about me being on center stage and people listening to me. And, and, and I know every person who's ever played in a band has gone through that season of having to learn to play in a band. So I'm not trying to pick on musicians but, but it made me think, man, how many of us haven't learned to play nice? I think sometimes God wants us in a church because it's going to rub out some rough edges. 
Somebody's going to get on my nerves. And I'm going to have to learn how to deal with that. Somebody's going to offend me. And I'm going to have to learn to deal with that. Because somebody's going to disappoint me. And I'm going to have to learn to deal with that. Then in learning those things and working through those things that I grow. Sometimes growth isn't fun. You were a kid many, many years ago, maybe, maybe a few years ago. There's this thing called growing pains. Like it hurts to stretch. It hurts to grow. Sometimes growing in church isn't fun. But I believe it's absolutely necessary. I believe it's something God's designed because God wants me to flourish. And that means I must plant. Now, there's other things that we get in the nutrient of a church that we're not going to get anywhere else, man. There, there's accountability. There's discipleship. There's connection. There's relationship. There's, there's all kind of things and nutrients that I believe God's designed for us to have. And I, I wish I had time to go really in-depth on that point. But the second point is the one where I felt God really wanted me to park on today. So we're going to buzz through that first one pretty quickly and get to the second one. The second implication of being planted in the house is this. So there's stability. In the house. Um, In the parable of the sower, Jesus talks about this seed that falls on different types of soil. And he says about one type of seed, he said, some fell on rocky places, Matthew 13, verse 5, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Now he's talking about people receiving the word of God. How many of us have known somebody who who came to Jesus and got so excited and so passionate and told everybody about it, but they were the seed planted in rocky places where it lasted but for a moment, for, for a few weeks, and then all of a sudden they were right back where they were. Why does it happen? Because they're not planted in soil. Because they're not connected to something that brings strength and stability. Many of you know, I've talked about this many times before, but I know we got a lot of new people. So for, for the old guard, I'm sorry, you're going to hear this one more time. I grew up in a family of church hoppers. Um, that, that first church that we left, my parents were at that church for about six years. It's the church that my dad got saved in there until I was about three years old. It was, it, it was one of the, actually the longest church that we were a part of as, for, for a very long time. And from there, we, we went through this season where we would go to church for two years and somebody would offend my mom, and we'd leave. And we'd go to another church for four years, and somebody would do something, and we'd leave. And, and we did this thing, and we didn't have any stability. And it was really tough on me especially because we were homeschooled. Any homeschoolers in the house? Uh, shout out. Uh, so, so my church friends were my friends. Like, I didn't have school friends. I was sort of allowed to hang out with people in the neighborhood sometimes, but most of them were like sinners. So... <laughs> So I had my church friends. And every couple, three years, I had to start with a whole new group of church friends. And there was very little stability for me as, as a young person. I had my parents, and man, I'm so grateful for that. My parents were always there, and I know a lot of people don't. But we, we didn't have that stability. Just last night, it was a winter jam, and Mercedes Rogers texted me about something that happened at winter jam 12 years ago. Like, do you remember this? And I got this text, and I laughed about it because I'd already thought about this thing that had happened. But then I thought about this message. like, oh, my gosh, like, I have friends that I've known for 12 years. And you know what? Maybe you say, oh, you just laughed about it. No big deal. That's not that spiritual. I think laughter is spiritual. 
I think laughter is important. I think it's important to have people that you can laugh with about godly things, right? Like that, that you can laugh with about life and, and share those moments. And, and I'm grateful for that. I've got relationships that stretch back over a much longer period of time. I, I don't have lifelong friends, but I know some people here that I've known for 12 years. That's awesome. I'm grateful for you guys, Cody and Mercedes. Y'all are above average. Thank you. It's important. Um, a plant can't flourish without strong roots, and roots can't grow without good soil. But, but man, when you find some good soil and a plant begins to grow some strong roots, now the plant is in position where it can flourish. So I, I'm hesitant to even preach about this today because I know there's, there's people here from, from a couple of different churches recently that your church shut down. And I don't want to pour salt in anybody's wounds. I don't want to bring up painful experiences. I certainly don't want you to feel like somehow I failed because I'm not planted because my church isn't in existence anymore. That's not the case. You guys were faithful to your church, and I can't answer the questions for why all those things happened. I can say this. I'm glad you're here, and we're grateful for you. We love you. We believe in you. Um, but I, I'm hesitant to even go there, but I this was the series that we had scheduled, and I felt like God had, had put on my heart, and I think this is what we need to talk about. So let's talk for a second about something I've never heard a pastor preach on in church. Heard a lot of pastors talk about it to other pastors, but I've never heard this from a pulpit. Maybe you have. I hope you have. Let's talk about moving a tree. Let's talk about changing churches. I told the guys in the production meeting this morning, oh, we were going to talk about this, and they're like, we're going to get somebody else to preach today. Uh, like, uh, we're not going to... Like, we don't talk about this, right? And here's the reality. I get frustrated sometimes when people leave because they maybe didn't leave very well. And here's the conviction that I felt like God put on me. He said, how can you get upset at the way that they left if you didn't teach them how? How can you complain about somebody left this way or that way if you never explain to them what's the right way to do it? So we're going to take five minutes. And hopefully none of you ever apply these next five minutes. Hopefully this is a wasted five minutes. But I think it's important. So, so if a tree is planted, you know you can move a tree. Trees can be moved. You don't just have to cut them down. They can actually be moved. But when a tree is moved, it's not done haphazardly. It's not done casually. It's not done frequently. It, it's done with a very strategic plan. This, this is exactly where we're going to do it. We're, we're going to know where the tree is going. We're going to know how that it's uprooted. Um, we're going to know where it has to be, um, how to transport it, how to take care of it while it's being transported. You can do it, but it's not done easily. And, and my fear is we live in a generation where we have really low commitment. We, we tap out of jobs quickly. We, we tap out of relationships quickly. We tap out of churches quickly. Uh, and so in our generation, I think it's really important for us to consider how we end things. I had a pastor who always taught us that the way that we left one situation was how we'd enter the next. And I think it's absolutely true. So I want to empower you one day. God moves you off of City Church. Hopefully it doesn't happen, but chances are most of us in this room, it will. So one day when God moves you to another church, what do you do? And the guys this morning were laughing. They're like, I bet there's going to be a lot of people who aren't taking notes until you get to that point. And they're like, okay, now I'm taking it. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, a few good principles for moving trees, for changing churches. Number one, move prayerfully. 
Move prayerfully. The only reason I've ever told anybody they couldn't leave City Church when they came to me and said they were leaving is if I asked them, did you pray about it? And they said no. You can't leave yet. Because here's why. When we do membership, we ask people to prayerfully make that decision. So if you're going to pray before you make a commitment, I believe you better pray before you end the commitment. Um, so, so we ask people to move, move prayerfully. Um, and we do the same thing when, when you know, we were, we're members over here, but we decided we're going to come over here. Okay, awesome, man. We're excited to have you. What's, what's your reason? And we've sent some people back to, to have some conversations with their former churches before because, man, it matters how you leave a place before you come into the next. Yeah, we want to grow, but we don't want to grow by stealing people from other churches. We want to grow by reaching the lost. Like, that's, there, there's a whole, there's plenty of people in Olive Branch who don't have a church home. That's who we want to reach. Um, and sometimes God's going to move people here, and we're grateful when he does, but, but we want to make sure it was prayerful. So move prayerfully. No, number two, move honorably. In other words, have those hard conversations. Let leadership know, hey, here's what's going on. Uh, the worst thing is when you bump into somebody at Kroger, and it's like, hey, hadn't seen you in four months, and they're, like, dodging you in the aisle. They're, like, holding the, the ice cream door open so you don't see them, right? Like, there's got to be a better way, Christians. Like, we're part of a bigger kingdom. We're going to worship together for eternity. Certainly we can say hi at Kroger, Right? And, and, and the reason why we have those awkward moments is because we don't leave well. And then it's like, what, are we, what am I supposed to do? In fact, one of the guys came to me after our meeting this morning and said, he said, you know, it's so important how you leave. He said, not just because you may bump into them later on. He said, I, I left a church before for bad reasons, and I left in a bad way, and I wanted to go back. But I didn't feel like I could because of the way that I left felt like he'd burned bridges, felt like he'd ended and destroyed relationships. We've seen, in, in, in the time that we've been here, we've seen a lot of boomerang city church folks that maybe God fe- felt like God moved them out for a season and they've boomeranged back around. Maybe they didn't find what they were looking for. Or maybe they realized that, that it was here all along or, or maybe it was just a season where he had something for them to do something else. But I'm so grateful when they boomerang back. It's awesome, man, because we got relationship, because we ended well, and we're still brothers, and we're still sisters, and we're still on the same team. We, we, we got to move honorably. Think about the, the things that you say, and not just to them, but about them. I always get hesitant when somebody comes here, and they're like, yeah, well, we left such and such a church because pastor so-and-so said this, or pastor did this. Had a guy at a yard sale one time. We did a church yard sale, and he came up to me. He was like, man, I'm looking for a church. I was like, awesome, man. We love to have you. What's going on? He's like, well, I go to church so-and-so, which was like three minutes from us. Uh, so I know the pastor, and he's like, and he thinks he rules everything. Uh, and, and we don't get to vote enough. Uh, and I was like, man, it sounds like you may need to find another church because you may not be real happy there. But I hate to break it to you. You're not going to like City Church. Um, like... <laughs> Like, you like to vote, this ain't the church for you, bro, because every time we vote, people hate each other because somebody wants this and somebody wants that, so we don't do a lot of voting. Um, and, and so, like, we're not just, like, take everybody. Like, I want to f- find a church where you're going to be happy because it will not be here, I'll just tell you straight up. Um, but we got to move honorably. Don't, don't go bashing leadership on your way out the door, even if you feel like you got a good reason to. You can keep that stuff to yourself. You don't have to share everything. Man, here, here's a, a good piece of the reason why we're leaving. We feel like it's time to go. 
And, man, we hope that church grows, and we hope that God uses them, and we hope that, that man, they, many people come to Jesus through that ministry. Leave well. We, we don't do it. We don't know how to do it because we break up with somebody and we bash them, and all of a sudden yesterday they were the greatest thing, and today they're the worst thing because no longer am I in a relationship with them, right? Like we learn this from a young age. We, we, we don't know how to end things. And I happen to believe that the church of Jesus Christ should have higher standards than the culture at large. I happen to believe that if we're really saved by grace and really full of God's Holy Spirit, that we should be able to handle things with some maturity. And I believe that applies to, to leaving churches as well. So, so move prayerfully, move honorably. Number three, kind of on the same line, but deal with offenses before you go. A lot of times people will, will do this thing, and this is why they leave. I'm upset at so-and-so, and I'm telling you this because I lived this as a kid, all right? We're mad at so-and-so, but we don't want to talk to so-and-so, so we're going to leave. It's easier to leave than it is to deal with an offense. It's easier to leave than it is to do Matthew 18 and go and talk to the person that we're upset at. It's easier, but easier doesn't necessarily mean better. And it certainly doesn't necessarily mean right. So, so move prayerfully, move honorably, deal with offenses before you go. Um, two, two other quick tips on, on when you leave a church. Uh, number one, of those two, sorry, number four, uh, fulfill your commitments before you go. Like, like it's almost never that you have to leave a church so quickly that you can like we, I've had people, literally, it's Friday, they text me, hey, we feel like God's moving us from city church. Can you let so-and-so kid city director know I'm not going to be there Sunday? Like, really? You couldn't make it 48 more hours to do your one Sunday on the schedule this month to love on some kids. Like, you're that mad at us. We are that, like, we, we can do better than that. Right? I'm not saying you got to be somewhere held hostage for three years, but... Walk out your commitments. Like, like leave in, in a way that that kid city director, you bump into them. Like, they're not, man, you left me hanging. And now, you know, like, we, we can do better. Uh, so fulfill commitments. And then lastly, find a place you can plant wholeheartedly. If it's not city church, and I'm not trying to run anybody out. This is not a, who is he mad at? Who are he trying to get rid of? That's not the case at all. But if, if you feel like God's moving you at some point in time, I believe that that happens. I don't believe every time we left the church as a kid, my parents were wrong. Some of the times we left the church, my parents were wrong. But not every time. Sometimes God really is moving you on. And if God's moving you and you've prayerfully considered this and, and walked it out, man, here's the best thing I can tell you. Find a place where you can sell out too wholeheartedly. When I was interviewing for youth pastor jobs back in 2005, I would interned at Church on the Move in Oklahoma and spent four years there and, and trained up. And, and when I ended up here, this was like, seventh or eighth place that I interviewed and I got offered many of those other places and turned them down and the reason was I got a great piece of advice from my pastor he said as you're interviewing he said Troy don't look for the biggest salary don't look for the biggest youth group don't look for the biggest church don't look for the coolest city he said find the church and the pastor with the vision that you can get behind and plug in and sell out to that and the reason why I accepted this job in September of 2000 and five is because Pastor Jason Delgado had a vision that I could get behind. He wanted something that, that to accomplish something in the city. He wanted to reach people in a way that I hadn't heard a pastor say he wanted to reach people. And I was like, yes, I want to get behind that. And it was the smallest youth group of anybody that I interviewed at. It was the only one that didn't want to hire me full time. They only could hire me part time. But I knew it was where I was supposed to go. 
that was what I wanted to sell out to. And so I took the job, and in the three weeks between the day that I took the job and the day that I started the job, the, pa- the parents decided, you know what, we got to figure out a way to get him full-time. And I came on, and I started day one full-time. Yeah, that's just the God that we serve. Why? Because he was in it. Because he was leading me. Because he he was taking me somewhere. And so find a place that you can sell out to, man. Be faithful to that place. Plant in that place. We don't move trees frequently. We don't move them often. I'm not saying we never move them. They move. But when they move, move them carefully. Move them prayerfully. There's stability in the house. Verse 14, as we get ready to close. It says, they will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. How many of you want to bear fruit in old age? How many of you are like, I want to bear fruit today? That applies, right? Um, what a vision. What a goal. What a picture. God doesn't want us to be dried up. He doesn't want us to be wilted. He wants us to bear fruit in old age. How does it happen? We plant and we flourish. We plant and we flourish. And as we flourish, we still bear fruit in old age. We still stay fresh and green. God wants me to plant, to flourish, and that means I must plant. If you are thinking about planting at City Church, let me address the other side of this. Just talk about the people who are going to leave. Let's talk about the people who are going to join. Um, real quick, and we'll wrap up with this. Here's our system. If you decide to join and become a member here, number one, pray about it. Don't join here because my friend's here. Don't join here because, oh, we like the service. Make sure this is where God wants you. Just plant carefully. Pray about it. We have a system we call Discovery. It's a four-week class. Uh, the first three weeks are at 8.30 downstairs in the 662 Auditorium uh, for about an hour and 15 minutes. The last week is after service. We bring in lunch and our leadership team. We ask people to go through Discovery. Find out who we are. Find out who we are as a church. Find out what we believe. Find out how our, our, our systems work. Man, maybe there's something specific that you're looking for, and we're not it. Let us help you find that place that that is. Um, but maybe, maybe this is the place where God's leading you. And maybe this is the place where he wants you. That, that's, that's what we ask people to do. Go through those four weeks. And then we have a, a membership covenant. And we ask people to prayerfully sign this thing. Here's the commitment I'm going to make. Here's, here's what I'm setting aside that I'm going to do. And if I'd have really been thinking, I would have had this prepared. But I wasn't thinking about the, this side of it. So I don't have the membership covenant ready to show you. But basically, a membership covenant says this. It says, I will... Protect the integrity of my church. We're not going to gossip here. We have a no gossip policy. I'll run somebody off for gossiping faster than anything else. We're not going to hurt each other here. We're going to protect each other here. We're going to protect God's people. We're going to protect God's purpose. We're, we're, we're going to defend each other and have each other's backs. Um, so I'm going to protect the, the unity of my church. I'm going to protect the integrity of my church. In other words, I'm going to live for Jesus. doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect. doesn't mean I'm never going to blow it. But, but I'm, I'm going to do what I can to, to give my life to him. We have this statement we, have, we make here. It says, you're free to struggle here. There's a whole lot of people struggling here. That's okay. You're free to struggle here. What's that mean? It means struggling means I'm fighting with it. It means I'm wrestling with it. It means I'm pushing through it. I'm pursuing God's best on the other side of it. We don't expect anybody to come here without sin because I guarantee you there ain't anybody here without it. We've all got stuff we're struggling with. You're free to struggle here. What you're not free to do is say, okay, I'm happy with my sin here. We're going to challenge you to get better. We're going to challenge you to push through it. We're going to challenge you to grow. If, you, if, you, if you've got sin that you're just happy with, you're not going to be happy here. Because God's not happy with it. He wants something better for you. 
and we want something better for you. So those are the types of things, man. If you decide to, to plant with us, we'll have a sign-up sheet next week. Uh, if you want to go through Discovery, the next time it's coming is, is April 8th, the week after Easter. We're going to start back up. We've already had three or four families say, hey, we want to join this church. What do we have to do? We're excited to have you. Um, I, I want to close with this, and I didn't give you guys a heads up, but we did just do a Discovery class. If you just went through Discovery and joined City Church, can, can we just get you to stand up very quickly? We want to clap for you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We're proud of you guys. We're, you can have a seat. I, don't, I know some people are like, don't make me stand on stage. I don't want to look at everybody. Whatever you do, I'll put a microphone in my hand. So we, we do it pretty, pretty chill here at City Church. But welcome to the family. Officially, formally in front of the, the church, man. We believe in you guys. We're thankful for you guys. We believe God has a plan and a purpose for you while you're here. So we're going to close in prayer, and we're, we're going to pray over those who have just joined the church. We're going to pray for, for this message, that God would apply it in the right way, that we would use discernment and wisdom. And if you're ready to plant here, man, buckle up, because it's been an amazing ride. It's been incredible what God's been up to, and we know he's got some great things in the future. Come on, let's pray. Father God, we thank